0: Think you know which way it's gonna go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. When the puck drop, Sports Interaction has you covered. Pre-game, live betting on all major sports and prop bets. If you want to bet, head to SportsInteraction.com/sdpn. Nineteen plus, and please play responsibly. Thank you, Steve.
1: This is Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild, powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Hey, everybody! Welcome to another episode of Agent Provocateur uh adam how are you my friend
0: i'm good uh alan it's nice to see you but i figured you know american thanksgiving was going to be busy we we sometimes talk all the time and then sometimes i feel like it goes a couple weeks and i haven't spoken to you um but i wanted to read you this message that we got on the sdpn discord channel which you should join at sdpn.ca about the show with chris nowinski uh on cte are you ready for this absolutely i want to say a big thank you to to the Agent Provocateur podcast, and particularly Alan Walsh for putting out content that can genuinely help people. After listening to the last episode with Dr. Nowinski, I was shaken by the information I digested to the point where I felt the need to have a serious discussion with my dad about near certain damage he sustained playing 600 plus games in the NHL. He's battled substance issues, uh, in bracket pain medication for years. But after taking in the episode, I realized that I've seen patterns that sound a lot like the issues discussed with regards to CTE. I sent him the episode. He listened to it. I, he called me and we cried together talking about it. He immediately made a doctor's appointment to address our concerns and was prescribed medication to help with some of the symptoms. He's now advocating to former teammates and friends who have already played contact sports or excuse me, who have played contact sports. Uh, to get educated on CTE and, and, and get help. Uh, already, one more person has followed the signs and is getting help. And this is all in the span of a week. The urgency and change in approach was immediate. And I think it has a lot to do with the credibility of Alan and Chris. Uh, it wouldn't have been possible without SDPN. I have two kids now, and I need my dad around to be with them. He's my hero. I don't always agree with the things said by Steve, Adam, and Jesse or their mods or the members, but I'm really grateful the network exists and that everyone involved advocates for the lives of players after hockey. So thank you, SDPN. Alan, when you hear something like that, because this is so much so part of your mission, how do you feel
1: about it? Uh, Overwhelmed. Uh, Just totally overwhelmed by that message. You know, when uh, you and I had our first conversations about doing a podcast together, I think our mission uh, that we discussed was to inform and educate and peel back the curtain in different areas of the game that fans and an audience may not have um, access to on a regular basis. Uh, But one of the other very important uh, roles and functions that we serve is to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, reading that message and having uh, made a difference in people's lives, especially someone who played 600 plus games in the NHL and his family, um, I'm just overwhelmed by that message and uh, feeling very grateful to have had the opportunity to meet you, and Jesse and Steve, and to be part of this incredible network, and to be able to have a platform to reach people and and deliver uh, the kind of stories, deliver the kind of guests, like Chris Nowinski. um, And and deal with some very tough issues, and to make um, just make a difference. And like, wow, what a what a message. And um, you know, there's there's a lot of players who are suffering out there retired players suffering out there. And they deserve to be heard. They they need uh, resources, they need help, they need support. And, uh and I and I'm 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 honored and privileged to be able to do any anything any make a just a little dent in um, in these issues and bring them to the forefront so uh, thank you Adam thank you for for giving the platform the 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 chance the opportunity to be able to do this
0: well it's I mean, Pleasure's ours. The fact that you took a chance on it is is amazing. And Alan, I, I have to say, you know, you're you've advocated for this since well before we met you. You've been doing this for a long, long time. It must feel sometimes like you're speaking to a wall, like nobody's listening, like um uh you know, like like headway is hard to find. Um has that been your experience and um, do you feel like hearing something like that? Okay, there's a little bit of vindication there.
1: Uh, it is very much, it is very much dealing uh, with a brick wall. Sometimes when it comes to the NHL, Gary Bettman and their um, outrageous stance on CTE that continues to this day. Um, and we've talked about it before, what is so important about the NHL admitting causation between uh, playing the game, repetitive hits to the head, uh, head impacts and CTE. Well, it's so important because only when the NHL acknowledges the causation do we then move to the next step of helping and doing the research to find a cure, to find treatments that are absolutely necessary to assist the people suffering today. And and and, and it's supremely frustrating, but um, on the other side, walls are being broken down and coming down on a daily basis. Uh, from uh, different quarters. Besides all the double talk and triple talk from the NHL, I think we have made great strides in certain respects in, in making the game safer, how concussions are recognized, how important it is for players to go through a protocol before being cleared to return to play. And, and we are making strides. Clearly, clearly not enough. Uh, clearly there are um, situations just this week. Um, I've been dealing with a situation behind the scenes where a player clearly concussed um, was, was returned to play uh, and had no business playing. So it, it's still happening and it's, it's, it's a struggle every day. Um But every day we're going to wake up and we're going to do the best that we can do. And we're going to try to make a difference.
0: Well, difference made in someone's life. Uh, Thank you for that message um, uh, on the Discord. Um, And Alan, to switch gears, we are having one of – we're having a noted Alan Walsh client on today Uh, and somebody that – you know, has an unbelievable story that really hasn't been told yet. When you kind of gave me the background on Jan Ruda, I thought I had I didn't know any of that. Um, and we're going to kind of dive in with him next. So, what are we in for with a guy like this?
1: So, here's a player that uh, started off playing in the Czech second league, uh, progressed to the extra league, uh, and really didn't emerge on NHL team's radars until he was 26, turning 27 years of age, which is pretty incredible. Um, He had multiple offers as a free agent um, uh, for the NHL, had multiple teams uh, vying for him in the the offseason. He ultimately signed with Chicago and comes over as a 27-year-old rookie in the NHL And that begins the NHL portion of his journey and some of the adversity he's faced in his life. It's a remarkable, remarkable story, Uh, uh, almost unprecedented, and he's a remarkable individual and human being, Um, won two Stanley Cups with Tampa, we're going to talk about that, and, uh, and talk about... Um, his experiences in free agency uh, as an NHL player and two-time Stanley Cup winner, who ultimately signed a, a three-year contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins, where he's playing right now. So without further ado, why don't we bring on uh, Jan Ruda and get get right to it. Welcome to another episode of Agent Provocateur. I'm Alan Walsh with Adam Wild. How are you, Adam? I'm good, Alan. I'm excited for today. I'm really excited to have a noted client as a guest (laughs) on the podcast, hailing from Pisek, Czechia. The defenseman who was never drafted in the NHL draft gives new definition to the term late bloomer, started playing in the Czech Extraliga with Komutov at 23 years of age, signed as a free agent with his Chicago Blackhawks in two seven, 2017 at 27 years old. We're going to be talking about that. Traded to the Tampa Bay Lightning, where he proceeded to win two consecutive Stanley Cups this past summer. He signed with the Pittsburgh Penguins as an unrestricted free agent on the first day of free agency. Let's give a big welcome to the podcast to Yen Ruta.
2: Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. That was a, that was a long introduction. Thank you.
0: <laughs> you can tell he's your agent. Yep.
2: Yeah. How'd I do? Pretty good, pretty good. I think you you didn't left anything. So yeah, it was it was quite long.
1: <laughs> so Yanni, why don't we uh, go back and start at the beginning? There are not too many players who've ever debuted in the NHL at 27 years of age, and you have a pretty unique and interesting story. And how you got from second league in Czech to uh, two-time Stanley Cup winner? So why don't you talk about uh, playing in Czech and Encho and how you think you got on the NHL radar?
2: Uh, I mean, so the the last year, how I got on the NHL radar? That was just me playing in the Czech highest league and being on a national team and uh just playing in those national team tournaments during the league uh, during the year that's that's pretty much how can you get uh noted by uh by the pro scouts from from the from the nhl but uh yeah the czech second league uh i was uh, i was playing for a for a team in Czech that uh, had uh, high ambitions and and lots of money, but uh, they could not, never get out of the Czech second league. So me being uh, just a young prospect, uh, it was uh, it was definitely a hard uh, hard way to to get into the lineup. So let let's
1: talk about the jump from second league to first league. How did that? How did you do that?
2: Uh, I actually did that twice. Uh, I think when I was in my, uh, I think when I was 20, we we actually got promoted to the extra league, but uh, we we didn't stay there for very long, and we got relegated. I think in two years, and that might actually help me because uh, we spent one year in Czech second league again, but uh, I was one of the one of the core core players on the team. I think I was twenty four at that time, and I just embraced that uh, leading role and I was fortunate enough to carry that role into into the Czech first league the the next couple next, next couple of years and uh, I think it uh, it actually helped me at what point
1: in time did you actually feel like you know what I might have an opportunity to play in the NHL?
2: It's tough. I I know, like my last last year uh, in Europe, uh, there was some interest, and I I was I was as you said I was 26 uh, in that season. So in my mind, I was like, I'm either gonna go play outside Czech Republic now or probably never. Uh, so I knew there was some interest. I just uh, didn't know the interest was as far as uh, as the NHL. I. When the season started, I was hoping for some uh, European leagues, maybe. But uh, the season was going pretty well, and uh, uh, I decided to wait uh, after the World Championships. And although we didn't get the medal, I I had a pretty good World Championships. And uh, after that, uh, we were we were having some problems. Uh, what offer to pick, right, Alan?
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had several teams uh, put offers on the table. And, uh, and, and we had many conversations together about, um, what team would provide the best opportunity. The goal was, uh, to sign with a team where you could come into an NHL training camp and actually make the NHL team out of camp and looking at each team's depth, um, where you would fit in, um, right shot versus left shot who was coming back on the different teams. And uh, and ultimately, uh, you decided, we decided together on Chicago. So here you are now. You're signed to the Chicago Blackhawks, coming over to your first NHL training camp. You walk in the door, 27 years of age. What was that like for you?
2: It was crazy. Uh, I actually, I think my first practice, I was still in the Blackhawks locker room but the second day they moved me to like a broom closet so i was like oh crap like i'll i'll have to i'll have to work my way up again you know so i uh, was a that was actually a nice reminder you know uh but uh just first couple of days it was in it was unreal too because i came to the league so late i was actually playing uh you know playstation nhl games as those guys that I was sit, that were sitting next to me. So, yeah, I felt definitely a lot of respect towards those guys.
1: Uh, so here you are at your first NHL camp. You're getting uh, ready for the season. Days are ticking off the calendar. Uh, do you remember when you were informed that you made the Blackhawks roster out of camp?
2: Yeah, I think it was two, two days ago, two, uh, two days before... Before the home opener, I think I finally got to sit with uh, with the coach, and uh, he told me that uh, they liked my game in the in the camp and that I made the roster. So yeah, it was uh, that was that was great because I never knew how how these camps go, and everybody like was individually being called to go see the coach. So I thought it was something bad, but uh, he actually told me that I made the roster. So it was that was nice.
1: Yeah, usually when you're um, asked to go see the coach in camp, it's not usually good news.
2: Yeah, but uh, I, I had a feeling because there was not not a lot of guys guys left in the locker room, uh, so yeah, it was it was good. It was good.
1: Now, uh, the the one thing that people have commented uh, to me on in the past is the the pace of the game at the NHL level. Uh, what did you think of the pace? the speed of the game when you first started playing NHL games, did you see a big difference from what you were used to back in
2: Czech? Maybe maybe not necessarily uh skating wise, maybe a little bit, but uh the huge huge difference it's between like decision making and the skill level of uh of certain players, uh they can just make so much happen so fast at uh like any given time. Uh I feel like in European hockey, you have more more time and, and the game develops a little bit uh longer or slowly. you can say. I don't think they are necessarily slower guys like when you would put them on straightforward speed but uh just just the just the way uh guys here make plays, it's uh definitely faster yeah, I
1: remember from some of our first conversations that rookie season uh one of the things that uh stood out for me is like you had huge interest in NFL football (laughs) and you were really into the games every Sunday uh, that were being played uh, in that, in that fall. Um, Where, where did you from, from Czech Republic uh, get that uh, interest in, in the NFL? And, you you know, I know that in our early conversations, you had great knowledge of every team's roster
2: and, 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 where did that come from? Well uh, last three last four years uh, me playing in Europe I always had a Canadian or a American American teammate and me being on like a little older team and being one of the few single guys I would always hang out with uh, with the imports so there were like some days when I would not even speak Czech I would just speak I would just speak English because those were the only guys I could hang out with. And obviously they liked they liked uh, football. So our schedule was really friendly towards that because I think we played Wednesdays and Saturdays usually. So Sunday, I would always order a bunch of pizza and uh, and we we would watch in my place. And they got me into fantasy football. Uh, Yeah, it was uh, (laughs) it was pretty easy. Are Uh, you in a fantasy league right now? No, no, I'm not. It's it's uh-huh. uh, it's actually shameful because uh, I think I knew the league and the players way more when I was playing in Europe. Now, like we play Sundays, so sometimes I, I don't even get to watch. And usually mm-hmm. those Spanish leagues they're they're being uh, made uh, when I'm still over in Europe. So uh, right. Uh, right, I'm I'm really bad with uh, with catching up and staying on uh, staying on. Uh, on a schedule, and uh, like a, have like a remind remind me note to ask the guys to get on the fantasy league. So then, for the most of the year, I'm just like listening to them talking trades.
1: <laughs> okay. Now, Yanni, in your in your rookie season in Chicago, you didn't just make it to the NHL. You had 20 points in 57 games, which is Uh, quite remarkable offensive production for somebody who's never played in the NHL before. Um, So you can assume by looking at your stats that the adjustment uh, was fairly seamless for you in coming over to North America. But what really was the adjustment like for you getting used to living in Chicago? Uh, What were your impressions? What were you thinking? What were you feeling that year? Uh, You
2: know, it was, I, you, your pronunciation of Komutov was amazing, but like that, that, <laughs> that city, like I don't, I don't. I've, I've been there. I, I've been there. So, so, you know, so you know what kind of lifestyle I'm talking about, right? And then, like, when I got off the plane or out of the cab in Chicago, I was just in shock and it continued like, uh, when uh, the season started, the the volume of games, and the travel and everything, I was I was just uh, everything was new to me. Everything was just like maxed out, you know, like so many games, practices, flights, everything. I was just I was just so overwhelmed. And even when I got out to the city, you know, there was just like you sometimes you can't even see the sky, you know, and from like a small almost a village. You come, you come to the city full of skyscrapers, and uh, you know the city almost never sleeps. You know it's uh, it's crazy.
1: And um, you know, talk to people, let them know how teams in the in the Czech League travel. Uh, you know, are there charters? Uh, how, <laughs> how how is the travel compared to uh, what you experienced uh, the first time walking on the Blackhawks plane?
2: Well, so like first time in the preseason, we flew the day of the game, right? That's pretty standard right. for a preseason. And everybody was like, "Ah, oh, hey!" Like on the on the plane, I could hear like you know, like "Ah, oh, damn!" Like preseason, we we fly at the day of the game, and I'm like, "What?" Because like that's how you travel in Czech League, right? You get on the bus, you pack your own, you pack, pack your own equipment, you put it on the bus, you sit on a bus. Sometimes you double up, and then you just drive somewhere. Depending on the team, I would say probably for like a one hour to three hours somewhere you play the game and then you go back.
1: And and walking on the Blackhawks
2: charter. Yeah, it was. I was just uh, uh, just waiting. You know, I was waiting for which seats gonna be open. You definitely don't want to sit on a on a on the wrong chair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you any other things you learned uh, early in that year? The do's and don'ts for uh, uh, not necessarily a young guy, but a rookie coming into the league.
2: Yeah, I think like some every team has something, right? Uh, so I would just usually just like observe, be quiet, and observe, and like you know, you get the ins and outs. When like sometimes like the older guys, they would get first off the bus, or they would get first into the elevator. You know, and that's that's something that uh, you can like. Nobody's gonna tell you that stuff, and if you don't let the older guy go, like you know, for example, into the elevator, you're like, it like, it's it's weird, you know, right? So just uh, just getting getting the hang of it, you know. Just I stayed back, I I observed, and uh, worked out good.
1: So talk to us about uh, what ultimately happened in Chicago and what you think led to, uh, to the trade to Tampa and, and whether you were expecting it or surprised when it actually happened.
2: Yeah, surprised, surprised. Uh, it was a tough season. Like my second year, uh, I, I was battling some injuries and uh, I wasn't playing very, very well and the team. Team, I think we lost like nine, ten straight. They fired the coach, and I was like, okay, like this is probably not good for me. So uh, I got to the minors, and you know we've been we've been talking a lot during that time. And I just kind of figure out that uh, if I want to be if I want to be in the NHL, I <clears throat> I probably I'm probably not gonna do it as a offensive defenseman like I uh, always played. So. I took that time in the minors to kind of study my game and uh, see where I can, where I can get better in areas so I can actually interest teams. And when I get the chance, I'll, I'll be ready. So I think I work on those things. And uh, when, when you called me that I'm going to get traded, uh, I was, I was really excited.
1: And not just traded, but traded to Tampa, (laughs) the Tampa Bay lightning. Yeah. So, so you ended up spending a little bit of time in Syracuse and now you're you're walking into the Tampa Bay Lightning room as as part of that team. What was that like for you? What was getting traded like for you? Uh you'd never been uh traded before and here you are, you know, now with Tampa, a leading contender in the league. Uh what was that like?
2: Yeah, it was crazy in my head because I I was sent down by like one of the worst teams in the league and arguably the best team that year. Uh, they they had interest in me, so I was uh, I was really happy. But at the same time, I was like just thinking like, damn, what are they gonna do with me? You know, I'm gonna need probably a lot of guys to get injured so to to, to see some ice. But uh, and I mean, fortunately, unfortunately, uh, some guys got hurt. And I got to showcase myself, and uh, uh, I think I stayed. Yeah, after after the first call up, I stayed stayed there for three and a half years. Yeah, so it was it was <laughs> that was pretty it was pretty good.
1: What was it like playing in Tampa? What was life like in Tampa for you?
2: It was great. It was, uh, uh, yeah. It's a smaller city. No no traffic. Uh, the the weather definitely doesn't hurt. Uh, it was a complete opposite from Chicago where it was just a huge city. Uh, everything was always open and, uh, uh it got cold and this was kind of like a smaller city, but, uh, really, really good vibe.
1: And what were the guys in the room like to you when you came in? Cause some of those guys have been together for a long time and, uh, and here you are coming in. Um, what was that like assimilating with the group and getting to know everybody?
2: Yeah, uh, as, you, as you said, like, uh, they have a group, group of guys, core of guys that have been there for so many years. So they definitely have, like, their tight bond. So for me to come in there, uh, it was huge for me that uh, Andre Palat was there because I, I didn't really know him at the time, but he was so welcoming. And he, he talked to me a lot. He introduced me to a lot of the guys. And made the made the transition a lot smaller. So yeah, uh, I'm really happy that Andre was there
1: because he, he not just Andre, but but Andre's wife.
2: Yes, yeah, they they <laughs> no, they they both helped me a lot. You know, it's uh one It's nice to speak your native tongue, but to actually have like a friend from all of the sudden in the locker room, it's, it's huge. You know, it, uh, it helps, it helps bonding with the, with with the other guys. And that helped me a lot. Yeah. Adam. Well, I'm
0: just thinking about this, Jan, you know, you're, you're walking into, you're walking from one of the NHL's teams on the downslope, right? And one of the NHL's worst teams to one of the NHL's best teams. When you were at those first few practices, who were the players that really stood out to you where you go, Wow, I you know, I knew this player was great, but I didn't even know I didn't know how great they really were.
2: Yeah, I go probably I go probably with uh Braden Point and probably Victor Hedman, you know. Uh just just, just the speed uh Brayden Point can like he just flies up the ice. It's it was it was crazy to me. And uh the way the way uh Hedy plays the game, he's He's playing it like he's five five eight, five nine, but in fact he's like okay. six 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 seven. And that was just those like those two guys, they were just like it's crazy.
1: Now you ended up playing uh with Tampa. Um we got shut down with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we started up again, uh you ended up going into the bubble and given that you went on uh, your team went on an unbelievable run that year. Um, you stayed in the bubble probably longer than anybody else, other than one other team that year was Dallas. What was that like for you?
2: For me, it was it was crazy because uh, I broke my ankle uh, I think first week in the bubble and the doc the doc said well it, if everything goes well you might be able to to play in the finals i was like well that's good so <laughs> so the the next day i would uh, start basically just working out with my like my upper body and that was everything i was doing for month and a half so uh, I would say the first week. First week, it was a uh, it was a lot of fun, you know. You, I mean, you you lock six teams of uh, grown up adults, just guys, into into one one space with one bar. It's 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 a lot of fun, but uh, once it got serious, it was just it was just a grind. And uh, uh, for me, uh, just not being able to play and uh, walk, like use crutches for everything, it was just uh, it was. It was tough, but uh, at the end of the day, it was, uh, it was a great experience.
1: Now, I've talked to uh, you before and a lot of players about the daily grind, as you describe it, of living in the bubble. You want to bring that to life for people and let them know what it was actually like, um, how you were isolated and shut off from the rest of the world when you were living inside that bubble?
2: Yeah, it was It was. It was bubble, like you like you imagine, like no contact with the outside. Uh, I was uh, I was kind of lucky because I was one of the patients zero with COVID, so uh, I didn't have to test a, in the bubble. And I heard from the guys they had to test every day, and it was depending on the doctor. But uh, sometimes they were testing, and sometimes they were looking for it. You know, you never you never knew how deep they were gonna go. Uh, so, so at least there, there was that, uh, uh, I didn't, I didn't have to, I didn't have to test, but yeah, there was not, not much to it, you know, uh, you just, uh, practice game and, uh, eat and sleep. And how Did long you, were you ultimately in there? I don't know. I think we were spent two months, maybe we were, we were in the wow. Like I must, I must say we were in the lucky group too, because we started in Toronto, which was much better than Edmonton. And Sorry. then we got to change the scenery after, after a month. But the first couple of days in Edmonton, that was, that was really tough. Like compared to Toronto, that looked like prison, like that uh, little outside area when we were supposed to get free air, fresh air. Oh my God. It was, it was depressing. Like everything the, the, was the, great.
1: the prison yard, yes. the prison yard. Yeah, yeah. Prison yard. What, yeah. what was it? What did it yeah. look like?
2: It was, uh, I'm sure it looks fine now when it's not, you know, uh, like around, like there is no like fences around it. It looks probably fine, but it was just like a concrete stuff with, uh, benches. There was like probably one basketball hoop and that (laughs) that was it. (laughs) Did you, did you play a lot of
0: video games? Did you get good at anything? There's a lot of people that like, they got into coffee or they got into cards or what, what did you sort of, what did you do with your spare time?
2: I can't tell you. Uh, I'm sure I was doing something, okay. but uh, I-, I was probably playing games because I, I couldn't do much. I, I-, I wish I could play like uh, a lot of guys pe- picked up pickleball. You know that that game looked fun, but uh, I was on crutches, so I could only do right. I could only do so little. So yeah, it was video games for me, but uh, I don't think I got any good with them.
1: Now, uh, when you were going into the bubble, there was a brochure distributed to um, a lot of the NHL teams and NHL players, and it showed um, golf outings were planned in Edmonton to go out to the golf course where guys could golf. There was uh, restaurant visits that were planned um, in this uh, nice little brochure that was distributed around. Did any of that actually happen?
2: You know, I think I think it did. I think uh, there was an option of go fishing, maybe in Toronto. I have to I have to say uh, to compare the two bubbles, like the Toronto bubble was actually amazing. There was there was the BMO Field, which is for soccer or Canadian Canadian American football. That's right. And for MLS, MLS, yeah. you could just walk there. There was like two restaurants inside. You could play any sport imaginable it was like the Toronto bubble that was you're still talking about bubble but it was it was amazing you you had you had uh, you had pool on the top of the hotel like some people would probably pay a lot of money just to to go on a vacation like that and we were lucky enough to be to be locked in there for a month but uh the Edmonton and it was getting like colder too so I was uh, I wasn't that great
1: and that was the uh, that year was the first year that Tampa ended up winning the cup, um, when you were part of the team, and you won it inside the bubble uh, in a in a final series against Dallas. So coming from Czech League, uh, signing with Chicago, being traded to Tampa, and now you're a Stanley Cup champion. You want to talk about the feelings that you had. Uh at the moment the final game ticked down and you guys are Stanley Cup champs.
2: Yeah, I actually didn't play the last game. That made it even worse. I was I was so nervous. You know, I I think I played from game two to five and then I didn't actually play the last game. And right. so just like watching the game makes it so much so much worse than actually playing in the game. So we were just you know we just like got dressed in like uh outside locker room uh when we were when we were leading and uh when it actually happened I I could not believe it because uh Steven Stamkos he was uh, he was in that locker room with us he he wasn't playing too and just to just to see him like just pushing pushing the clock to zero it was it was it was it was unreal especially uh, after what uh, what the group went through, like the year prior, uh, and you know, have so many obstacles, like the the postponement of the play, and then the bubble, and then finally reaching reaching the the cup, it was uh, it was amazing.
0: Steven Stamko stepped on the ice, I think, for one or two shifts in Game Three, and he scored, and he was yep. hurt. And I just wondered what kind of effect did that have on you guys in in the dressing room, seeing him do that?
2: Oh, it's crazy. I think there's like, you have like some people that have some kind of an aura about them, you yeah. know, and just like, I think Stammers is like one of them, you know, it's just like, just a special, special hockey player. Like who can, who can come on the ice, hurt, play two shifts and actually have a huge impact on a, Stanley Cup Final series. It's uh, it's amazing.
1: Is he uh, in in your mind uh, right now w- one of the greatest players you've ever played with?
2: Yeah, for sure. And not just not just players, but uh, as leaders, you know, uh, to go three times into the into the finals uh, just speaks volume. And when uh, you have so much talent on the team, and to Kind of like keep the room focused together and uh, focusing on one goal it just speaks speaks how how good of a leader he is.
1: Right. So the next year we finally got fans uh, back into the building. Some uh, countries sooner than than others, <laughs> and we're back to playing hockey again. Uh, we're back to traveling again, and uh, Tampa is defending uh the cup uh tell us about that season and what that was like
2: it was it wasn't too bad i actually really liked when we played almost like a baseball kind of series when we would go to chicago and played like three games and then we would be at home and played some team four times too i think that was that was that was pretty neat that was that was that was pretty good but yeah, uh, the season was. Uh, I don't think we got fans until the last few games in uh, in the season. So it was it was definitely weird. It was, but we were kind of used to it from the bubble. But uh, it was it was great once the playoffs started that uh, that the fans got back into the buildings.
1: And what did it feel like playing with fans again and getting into the playoffs and and? going on another run. Oh, it was. What was that like for you? It
2: was crazy. Like there was like 2,500 fans and we felt, you feel like so amped up for the game. It was insane. Like you have a building for (laughs) 20,000 and like before the the pandemic, there would be 15,000 and you'd be like, oh, like tonight, like the fans are really not into it. And there was like 1,500 fans and everybody was just, oh, let's go, let's go. It was, yeah, it was, (laughs) it was crazy. Just like we needed just like that little, yeah, so it was it was it was great, and especially like the first first series when we started with Florida, it was uh, it was on, it was good.
1: Uh, so tell us about the playoff run, the second year now, and uh, what what that was like for you.
2: I was actually so happy that uh, I was able to play the whole playoffs. You know, all kind of. Uh, Healthy. I was <laughs> not healthy, but I was playing relatively. <laughs> relatively. <healthy>. <laughs> <laughs> relatively. <laughs> yeah, but mm-hmm. but just just uh, just to be able to win it second time is is amazing. And when I think about it, you know, the first first time we won it, I was not feeling like a huge part of it because because of the injury, and uh, I could only help the team with uh, with a few games, so. Uh, being able to play the whole run it was it was just like for me personally it was it was amazing
1: so you end up in the Stanley Cup Finals playing against Montreal and uh, and you're going for your second cup in a row and uh, tell us what it was like as the series progressed at what point do you start thinking you know what I think like we can we can win this again we're going to win this again
2: yeah game i mean even like game 1 when we go when we when we played the first game i think everybody in the locker room was like okay like this is this is a team that we can that we can definitely beat and once we once we won game 3 in uh, in montreal and we were up 3 nothing uh i think everybody was uh was kind of thinking like yeah it's it's probably it's probably on a great right way to happen to happen again it's just like the series i felt i felt so bad for montreal because uh you know the the fans like they're they're amazing and like the the stadium it's like a, it's like one of the most known stadiums for hockey and uh you finally get to play stanley cup finals in there and you have i don't know how many thousands people outside and there was just like no, almost nobody inside was, i just i just felt really bad for the people and uh and for the players too, because uh the fans can play a huge 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 role in uh in a, especially in the playoff game, and uh I think they were just uh not dropped, but uh you know they they were they were missing that element
1: so uh tampa uh you're now going into game five at home and uh and what do you remember about that game?
2: Oh nothing it just blurred. You know, like like these, these these games, like it was a one one nothing game. Like those games are crazy. You right. just want to get on the ice, just not get scored on, and get back on the bench in one piece.
1: <laughs> okay, but,
2: just don't make, mistake, before, don't
1: make a mistake. Don't make a mistake. Exactly. But the year before wow. in the bubble, you're not in that game, and now you are, and uh, and here you are. It's one nothing. Six minutes left, four minutes left, two minutes left. What's that feeling watching the clock? What's the, what's the feeling like on the bench as you're watching the clock, you're watching
2: the game and everything's happening? Same as I said, even like – so like when I got a shift, you know, in the third period, I felt like so confident, like being on the ice, playing the shift. Then I got on the bench. And all I could do was just, like, watch the clock and be nervous. It was crazy. And, like, obviously, like, other guys were finishing the game. So I was just, like, sitting, like, in the – I was just sitting on the bench and I was just watching the clock. And, like, even when, like, the clock hit zero and everybody was just jumping on base, I think I'm, like, the last guy getting off the bench. And not because, like, I wanted to be. I just, like, couldn't believe it that I was, like, still watching on the clock. <laughs>
1: Now, now I was there in Tampa for that game, and uh, and I was sitting next to your girlfriend, now fiance, um, when all of that was happening, uh, and and I remember watching you and seeing the look on your face on the ice celebrating, and I also had the opportunity to be sitting next to her and seeing the reaction. Uh, that Denisa was having as well. And, uh, you know, it gives me a little bit of a a different perspective because I see the joy in your face, but I also see the joy in her face as well. And, uh, and when you came out of the room after I was there when the two of you saw each other for the first time after winning it again. And it was a pretty emotional moment, an emotional scene. Um, what was that like in the room and, and then coming out of the room to going to see family?
2: Yeah, that was that was something uh, that we were missing in the bubble as well because the procedures you would have to take in order to have family actually inside with you after that game, that was, it was crazy. So just being like... Not just me, but everybody. There was like that room, and uh, I know there was still COVID, but I'm pretty sure there was like look, felt like thousand people inside, like like family, <laughs> friends, you know, grandparents. It was it was crazy. It was just like so much joy, so much joy in the room. A uh, lot of lot of boost too, but uh, you know, uh, just to see so much joy when we finally got to do it in front of. Uh, like all the loved ones and the family and friends, it was, it was, it was insane.
1: Yeah. So uh, Adam, I had a flight back the next morning. <laughs> I think I was leaving at 7 30 AM and it was around uh, two thirty3 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and, and Yanni said to me, uh, what time are you leaving tomorrow? And I was like, I got, I got a flight leaving in a couple hours. I'm, I'm leaving at like seven, seven 30 AM. And and he, and he, looked at me, and he's like, "You're not going back tomorrow morning.
2: That's not happening."
1: <laughs> and I'm assuming you didn't that make that plan. That is not happening. No, I, I, I. Well, while well, he went off, I grabbed my phone, and I'm starting to look for alternate flights back <laughs> home. And I ended up uh, getting one. I think at uh, like eight or or nine p.m. And um, and uh, we ended up spending the whole next day together. uh celebrating and it was a it was an awesome it was one of the it was one of the most fun days that i've had ever in this business just sitting back in this really cool place that yanni took me and uh we sat back and there was champagne there was uh some other stuff um denisa joined us at one point fans were pouring in and and celebrating and here we were off in a little corner together Spending literally the entire day, just talking and uh, and and drinking and celebrating, uh, all that uh, all that uh, Yanni accomplished uh, over the prior two years in Tampa. It's
0: it's probably pretty cool, Alan, to see. And, and, and yan, we're going to pretend you're not here for a second. It's got to be pretty cool to see a client go from you know Czech League two to a Stanley Cup winner. I think that's pretty cool. Over it, what it, it happened over what Yan, five years.
2: Yep, six five years. Like, yeah, from Czech League. When you Second were playing league. in League Two,
0: could you even have envisioned
2: playing in the NHL? <laughs> no, I don't think anybody could.
0: So that's amazing. And 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 the other thing I want to ask you, I have to ask this because it seemed like at, uh, that there was some there was some fun partiers. But I want to know from Alan, and I want to know from Jan, who was the biggest partier after? Like who was the life of the party on the team after the Stanley Cup? Who was the one getting everybody going? Loudest person in the room, center of attention on the team. Uh
2: it's tough not to go with Patty Maroon, you know. Uh he <laughs> he's 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 always the loudest. He was always the loudest guy in the room. So I would probably <laughs> go with him, but uh I think certain guys had uh, had peaks in different moments, you know. Everybody everybody mm-hmm. saw a coach in the press conference, you know, then uh I think uh one day Yanni Guard was uh, just like uh, uh, he used like a skateboard, and he was just like going crazy, like hot naked, like on like on one of the one of the one of the events. It was, yeah, like you know, some some guys would like you know pu- push push their peak, but uh, I would probably go with Patty.
1: And uh, you got an opportunity this time to uh, bring the cup back to back to check. Uh, what did you, what did you do for your day with the cup? You want to describe the day to everybody?
2: Oh, the day was, a the day was amazing, but the, the, I would say the month prior to it, it was like planning your own wedding just, just for you. It was crazy, but, uh, I don't know how everything worked out and, you know, I got to, I got to share it, uh, with, uh, with all the people that helped me with all my friends, uh, I got my hometown, uh, elementary school to, to, to see it because, uh, I remember, uh, Stan Netscar, he actually won the cup. He's from my, he's from my hometown. And, uh, I remember. He won it with Tampa. Yes. Yeah. And I remember, yeah. I remember actually seeing the Stanley cup when I was a little kid. So I did the same thing oh. he did. And that was, that was, that was pretty cool. And then just, uh, I had, uh, like a nice, nice, nice party in in Prague for all the people. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a special day. Just uh, my dad being able to see the Stanley Cup because he, he couldn't be there. So that was special too. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, I, I took a couple of cool pictures with, uh, with uh, in, in Prague with like one of the most touristic stuff you know, I took a page out of uh, Cristobal Ued book. Uh, I saw him taking a picture with uh, Eiffel Tower, and I was like, "That's so cool!" So uh, I did. I did something similar with uh, with the Czech uh, Czech stuff.
1: Amazing. Yeah. So tell us about that. I think it involved a rooftop.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I had I had just like uh, once we got to Prague, uh, I just had like a uh, like pretty much just the family and just the closest friends. I think it was like. Fifteen, twenty people, and uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to to get a place like on the rooftop above the astronomical clock, so you could you could overview the the whole square and uh, the clock, the towers, and that was that was a that was a very nice moment. And uh, right after, I took it to a beer hall and ate a goulash out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you said that
0: with some pride Yan. <laughs>
2: yeah That's well great you know like you know goulash i i like goulash and especially in the summer uh when you don't have to uh when you don't have to uh watch the nutrition as much you know just eating a goulash out of it it's it, it's it's really good i got so much so much shit for that on the internet from the czech people though but uh Still love it. Why? <laughs> I'm still proud. I don't Come know. on. I don't know.
1: So uh, you, you went back and you played one more year in Tampa. Um, but at the end of the year, it was uh, somewhat bittersweet because uh, uh, you kind of knew that the run in Tampa for you was coming to an end and you were going to be moving on somewhere else. And, and I've represented a, a lot of players who are coming to the end of their contract. And usually for reasons associated with the salary cap, uh, what their value is on the open market is no longer going to fit within the available cap space with a team, especially a good team. Um, what was it like for you coming to the end of that year and, and, approaching what you knew inevitably was going to be free agency and, and leaving your life in Tampa behind.
2: Yeah, it was, it was sad. Uh, I mean, I, I saw it uh, every, every year of those three finals, we would always lose some guys and you never, you never think of it like us. This is going to be now like one day, but yeah uh the third the third year or the third finals i was i was like wow like we're still winning and <laughs> guys are getting signed for a lot for like for what they're worth but uh there's not gonna be enough for for everybody so uh uh yeah i was like this this, this sucks but uh that made the run special you know uh i, I really enjoyed the last last run it uh unfortunately, and then it, uh, the way we, it did, but, uh, it was, it was a really good, really good run. And, uh, just the memories I will, I will have with the guys. We, we were a pretty fun group. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, I'll keep those memories, but, uh, now I'm off to Pittsburgh.
1: <laughs> now you had never approached free agency before, uh, as a NHL player, What was that day like for you?
2: I remember it was, it it happened so fast that like, uh, I called, uh, so I live, I live in Prague during the summer and my hometown, it's like, it's like an hour away. I remember calling my friends and I was like, Hey, like I just signed a, I just signed a deal for three years in the NHL. It's like, where? I'm like, I'm going to tell you, but you'll have to come to Prague. So like these, these buddies, they actually drove to Prague. And when they, when they got to Prague, I think that it just got announced. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun day. Not bad. (laughs) Yeah. And, and,
1: and, you know, usually, uh, players, uh, really have mixed feelings going into free agency. And it's something we've talked about, um, on this podcast before with other players, how, um, One would think it's something they look forward to, you know. You're you knew that you were going to get a a deal for more than one or two years, most likely, and you knew you were going to be making a lot more money than you were making in Tampa. So the assumption is that it's just gonna it's fun, it's exciting, and and actually most players going into it um just really hate the the indecision the pressure to make a quick decision um all these things weigh very heavily on them and uh and did you feel any of
2: that yeah like uh you you presented like you know the deal with uh with pittsburgh like very cleanly to me but in my head like i i didn't saw all the work you put in to actually present me the deal. And in my head, it was like, hey, like, you want this? And, you know, like, I was like, damn, like, is it going to, you know, it's just like, as you said, it's a quick decision where you're going to, where you're going to spend the next three of your life. So uh, it's, yeah, as you said, it's like you, there is no way you, you, you will know if you're making, the good or the bad decision, but you know, you you it was, it was a good, it was a good experience. And
0: going to a team with Sidney Crosby on it, isn't so bad too, right?
2: Exactly. That, that goes into the, the way Alan presented the, the, the offer basically. Alan, do you, I mean, there's
0: gotta be certain cities like Tampa, like Pittsburgh, where there's players, where it's, you don't have to sell people on that. It's look at that team of Getty Malkin, Chris Letang, Sydney. They've they've all been there for a long, long time. Are you excited when you get an offer from a team like that for one of your clients?
1: Sure, you're you're excited. I, I think to go to an organization with a winning track record, uh, with strong leadership, and uh, in and I think that um, the expectation is based on. Um, you know the role that they were signing Yan for, and that he was to fit into, was uh, a more elevated role than he had experienced in Tampa in some respects. So you know, right now we're just past Thanksgiving. That's the traditional quarter pole of the season, and and Yan, you're plus ten right now. Um, you, you know, you're you're in the top. Uh, 15 plus minus defensemen in the entire league. So you're making a, a real impact. Um, the team has struggled at times, um, and we can talk about that. But overall, your, your uh, contribution and the impact that you're having uh, might even be more meaningful than it was uh, in Tampa, given the depth they had on D., and and the depth that currently exists with the Pittsburgh Penguins.
2: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned my position. I'm I'm really I'm really happy that uh, I I get to play uh, more penalty kill here. I think that's uh, that's something I I really enjoy. You know, you uh, just uh, just to be on one of the special teams, it's huge. You know, you uh, yeah. you just you just just take that ownership of like something. And that that could be really big for the team, and uh, as you said, you know, we we struggled at times, especially in the start. But uh, I think now now we're uh, starting to click a little bit, and uh, especially on the on the PK. And uh, you know, we we, we finally uh, put together a string of wins, so so that's good, you know. But uh, as you said, you know, like with uh, with guys like Sid and Gino and Tanger, uh, and the winning culture that's here in Pittsburgh, it's. Uh, it's good, you know the the life's the life is always better when you're winning,
0: yes, and you already have three goals, which is three goals away from your career high from your rookie year. do you think you're gonna get past it this year get to goal seven goal eight goal nine
2: I don't know i'm just i'm I'm just afraid I already kept myself uh during the like at game twenty you know but, <laughs> but uh no way <laughs> but but we'll we'll see we'll see we'll see.
1: <laughs> Tell us a little bit about uh living in Pittsburgh versus uh, living in Tampa. what that transition was like for you
2: uh yeah I mean it's uh it's completely different like the the weather and everything it's uh but you know the schedule the schedule was so crazy I think we we had we had the West coast West Coast road trip and uh, we played like maybe maybe like two, three, and fours. so uh I got around. Got around the city to explore it a little bit, I, but uh, not a whole lot. I I finally found Christmas market, so that's good. I'm a big big Christmas guy, so uh, that's good. So I'm definitely looking to go in that direction next time. I'm I'm walking out of out of the apartment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you ever get the chance, uh, uh, stop by North Allegheny High School. That's where my mom went to school. My mom's from Pittsburgh. Oh, nice. um and uh yeah and it's you know what you, you got to you, jan if i don't know if you get the chance but you got to go see uh, a game uh the you got to go see the football team if you can if you can find time in your schedule because it's really special watching a game with the water in the background and everything it's a beautiful city
2: oh yeah i've already been to a football game yeah uh oh you been, have yeah yeah we went we went as a team i think it was Maybe 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 a maybe a training camp or maybe maybe even okay. before. But yeah, we went and uh yeah the stadium's great. Like even, even the Pirates Stadium looks 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 amazing. But uh to be able to, to see I mean I missed I missed Big Ben for in you know by a couple of years but uh you know it was it was it was pretty cool.
1: Well I just wanna say that uh uh one of the great uh, joys that I've had in this business is working with an amazing guy like you and, uh, uh, look forward to coming to Pittsburgh this year and seeing you there, uh, and look forward to seeing you out here in LA when you come out here. And, uh, Mm -hmm. I want to thank you so much Yanni, for your time and, uh, and for taking, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough right now with your schedule Finding the time to sit down for an hour, uh, and and visiting with us, and I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. We appreciate it.
2: No, thanks, guys, for the invite. Uh, it was it was it was fun. Uh, maybe maybe uh, do it uh, next time. Sometimes.
0: That would be great. <laughs> we would love that. Thanks for ha- uh, hanging out with us.
2: All right. Thanks, guys. This
1: has been Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wild. Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's sportsbook. Follow Alan Walsh on Twitter at Walsh A. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching Agent Provocateur and hitting the subscribe button. YouTube.com slash SDPN.